You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. I wanted to say hello to, uh, to Jen, uh, Nate and Jen Williams. They're, are they're, uh, uh, Jen's parents are here today from Kansas. Would you guys stand up? They're all the way here from Kansas visiting Nate and Jen. And their brother, her brother's here. So thank you guys for being here. And you're not in Kansas anymore. I just wanted to say that. It's the whole reason I did that. I wanted to say that. It's great to have you guys. I was coming down to do a little rehearsal uh, the other day, and I saw that the, uh, the seashell place out here on Route 1, they are hiring a fudge maker, a fudge maker. Now, if you're needing a job, I mean, it was right on the big marquee there, hiring a fudge maker. I don't think there's any kid in America who says, when I grow up, I want to be a fudge maker, you know? <laughs> but I just, I just love our community, and uh, I'm so glad for what God is doing here. I'm so grateful for Cotter and uh, Kristen and the whole team here, and of course, Nate, and the leadership of Joel and Stacy, they're doing such an amazing job here. Would you give Joel and Stacy a big hand for their leadership here? Well, I want to say hello to our Millsburg campus and our Fenwick Island campus. We're doing something historical today. We're going to be all taking communion together at the same time here on Palm Sunday. And also our online family. And as, uh, if you can get some stuff ready for communion, we'd love for you to join us at the end of today's message. So we're going to be taking communion together. And our Fenwick Island campus is doing so good. Millsburg campus is doing so good. And you guys are inspiring us all with your energy and how you're reaching your community and inviting so many people to church. So, hey, we're going to uh, talk today uh, about uh, one of the key characters in the Easter story. What I've been doing at Millsboro the last couple of weeks is I'm doing a series called uh, Parade to Easter, and we're talking about the people that are in the Easter story. Last week, we talked about Judas Iscariot, and you're welcome to go watch that or listen to it. But today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite characters uh, in the New Testament, in the Easter story, and that's the Apostle Peter. And we're going to talk about his failure how he failed and how he messed up. I don't know if you have a worst moment in your life. I bet you do. I bet if I asked you, you know, what's your worst moment, you probably wouldn't want to tell me. But we all have a worst moment, you know, something that we did that we wish we had never done. And, uh, you know, there's people that say, hey, listen, you know, if I could go back and live my life over again, I wouldn't change a single thing. I'm here to tell you that is not me. I would go back and change a few things. How many people are with me? You'd change a few things if you could. You know, I'm telling you, we all have those stories. When I was a little kid, I remember, you know, some of the bad moments of my childhood. I remember when I was about four or five years old, I'm probably about five years old, and uh, every day the school bus would come by, and I would hide in the ditch in, by the road there, and, and I would get these dirt clods. And I would, you know, store them up. And when the school bus would come by, I would stand up like Rambo. And I'd throw the <laughs> dirt clods at the school bus. Never hit the school bus. But one day the school bus is coming by. And I got the biggest dirt clod I could find. And I'm there waiting. And I stood up as the school bus just came by. And I threw that. And I hit that school bus broadside. Hit the, hit the window. And the school bus stopped. <laughs> Started backing up. My little heart's beating. I ran inside. My mom's having coffee with somebody, and she said, what's wrong with you? And I didn't know what they did with little kids that hit, you know, school bus with dirt clods. 
But I was, it was the first time I was scared because of something bad I had done, you know. And uh, I'm here to tell you, it scared me so bad that I never, ever, this is a great success story to tell you, I never have thrown another dirt pot at a school bus. <laughs> Then when I was a little older, I remember, uh, you know, when I was like 14, I, uh, my parents, when they used to leave, I used to get in their station wagon. Anybody remember station wagons? Station wagons, like the antique minivans is what they were, basically. And I used to drive the, the, the station wagon up and down the driveway, you know, practice driving when they weren't there. And one day, I went to park the station wagon under the maple tree where it was usually parked. Instead of hitting the brake, I hit the accelerator. And I ran into the side of the house and just, you know, crushed the corner of the house. And it was, uh, boy, it was, I saw my life pass before me. It didn't take very long, but it passed before me. And I remember, you know, how upset I was about my dad coming home and what he was going to do to me. And he saw the terror in my face, and he felt that I had suffered enough, and he didn't do anything to me. But we all have those bad moments. How about those bad pictures? You know, the great thing about a smartphone is if you have a bad picture, you can delete it. But, you know, how many know that when you go to the DMV, that is permanent? <laughs> and those people have, I, I don't believe they have any photography training at all. That's what I think. <laughs> you know, you're trying to get ready, and before you're ready, they take a picture of you. And I don't know anybody that's ever said, this is so good. I'm going to get this framed. I'm going to get it blown up. I'm going to put it in my house. <laughs> it's, your, it's your worst picture. How about your passport picture? That's a bad picture, isn't it? It's like the worst picture you can have. Irma Bombeck says, if you are like your passport picture, you're too sick to travel. <laughs> what a day. I want to talk about Peter's worst moment. His worst moment. And you've got a worst moment, and I've got a worst moment, and the people in this community's got a worst moment. Sometimes we've got competing worst moments. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus did not die for your best moment. Jesus died for your worst moment. And I want to look at Peter's worst moment. And it's his famous story about him denying the Lord. And it's found in the Gospel of Mark. And I want to read it to you. It's just a really cool story. It's found in Mark chapter 14, verse 27 through 31. And this happens, you know, what's happening here is Jesus had just finished... Uh, being in the upper room with the disciples, and Joel this morning served communion to the staff before the service started. And they've just done the Passover thing, and they are leaving the room, and they're walking to Gethsemane. And as they're walking to Gethsemane, Jesus is talking to them that that night they're all going to betray him. So the conversation doesn't happen in the upper room, but it happens on the way to Gethsemane. And it says, uh, here's what Jesus said, you will all fall away. Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's Zechariah 13 that he, that he uh, quotes. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples, others said the same. Now, what's interesting to me about this story is, my question is, first of all, how do we know and how do we have this story? How do we have this story where we have Peter's denial? 
Now, Mark is the most amazing gospel to me. I love it. Probably my favorite gospel because scholars believe that Mark was the first gospel written. And uh, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, uh, 52% of Mark is in the Gospel of Matthew verbatim. So when Matthew was writing his Gospel, he copied a lot from Mark. And then Luke copied some from Mark, and they had other stories that they added into it. But how do we have Mark's Gospel? Well, there's a guy in the uh, ancient uh, times that lived in the second century, a guy named Irenaeus, that lived just a little bit away from when the apostles walked on the earth. And he dipped just a little ways from that, and he said that Mark is, Mark copied Peter's sermons as he preached in Rome. So just imagine this, that Peter's preaching in Rome, and there's a young guy that's traveling with him, his protege, and as Peter's preaching, he's writing down all of Peter's sermons. And that becomes the Gospel of Mark. And we don't just know it from Ibranius, we know it from another guy named Papias that was the bishop of Aeropolis, if that means anything to you. Uh, Papias was a little bit uh, earlier than Irenaeus, and he says that, that Mark was Peter's secretary, and everything that Peter preached, he, he, he recorded. So why is that significant with this story? That means that evidently when Peter was preaching, he would tell the story about his failure. He would tell people as he's preaching, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, I wigged out. On the night that Jesus gave his life for us, for the sins of the world, it was my worst moment. Don't you love it when leaders tell you that they're not perfect? And Peter was that kind of leader. We need more leadership like that in the church. We need authentic leadership. In fact, one of the things that, the, that the, this generation is looking for, one of the things that our community is looking for is authenticity. Not people that are perfect, but the people that are honest. Because when we're honest, it's when we really realize how much we need Jesus. So Peter told the story of his failure to other people. Now, I was leading a staff meeting the other day. At, uh, we have our, always have our staff meeting on Monday at the Millsboro campus, and all the staff people from all the campuses come to Millsboro. And my, my job is to kind of lead that meeting, and we talk about the wins for the weekend. And, and I go around to each campus, and I said to the Rehoboth campus, I said, uh, let's, you know, let's talk about the wins. What happened great in your campus this last weekend? Well, you know, they said something, but then they jumped right to celebrate recovery on Thursday night. And that's all they wanted to talk about. I mean, that was all they wanted to talk about. I'm like, well, let's get back and talk about the wins on Sunday. Celebrate Recovery was amazing on Thursday night. <laughs> and I said, well, what made it so amazing? They said all the leaders got on the stage, all the key leaders, Pastor Joel and, and some of the key people were on the stage. And they were asked, what is your most vulnerable moment? What is your most difficult trial? And they shared out of their hearts their weaknesses and their struggles, and it really, really impacted everybody. How many know that we're impacted when we realize that other people struggle just like us? Even our leaders struggle. Can you say a big amen? Just raise your hand right now. If you're perfect, just raise your hand. Nobody here. How many are imperfect? Raise your hand. Just put your hands up. You are in a good place. This is a house packed full of sinners here. Just, just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are a sinner if I've ever seen one. Just say it to him. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about the gospel. And here's the reason we have the story of Peter's failure. 
We have the story of Peter's failure because he told us that he failed. James chapter 5 says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. It is impossible to be whole. It's impossible to be healthy. It's impossible to have a, a healthy uh, psychology without honesty about yourself. And so Peter did that. And, and uh, in the story, we get this picture of Peter disagreeing with Jesus. Now, if you ever disagree with Jesus, Jesus is always right. <laughs> he said to Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you know, you're all going to betray me. And then Peter, you know, said, well, Lord, you know, I'm just have to tell you, I'm a little higher than everybody else here. I'm not going to have the same uh, difficulty everybody else has. But uh, I want you to know that everybody else may deny you, but I never, ever will deny you. He put himself in a class above everybody else, and he felt like, you know, I'm more committed. I'm better than everybody else. And can you hear Peter's words? I will never deny you. Do you hear that ego there? The ego is, you know, hey, listen, you know, these other guys, they don't have the determination. They don't have the commitment. They don't have the strength. They don't have the ability. They're not going to do this. But I will never deny you. Peter had an I problem. And whenever there's an expanded ego, the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Now, I don't know if you remember much about uh, uh, Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl 50, there was a, was a game between the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos, and it happened to be Peyton Manning's last game, and he retired after that, after winning the Super Bowl. But they were playing uh, the Carolina Panthers, and there was this guy named Cam Newton. I don't know if you remember Cam Newton, but in, in uh, 2015, uh, they had, uh, the Carolina Panthers had their best season ever. 15, they won 15 games and only lost one game. And they were favored to beat the Denver Broncos by a whole bunch. But before the game, Cam Newton's running around. He's running around in his Superman T-shirt and his gold, his gold MVP shoes. And I remember watching that. I thought it was a little showy myself. I'm feeling some arrogance there. I'm not a very discerning guy, but it looked like to me a little bit of ego, a little bit of pride. Whenever you're wearing a Superman uniform and you're running around the stage before the, the, the field before the Super Bowl, something bad's going to happen to you. Because <laughs> pride comes before a fall. Now, I don't know if you remember what happened, but Cam Newton threw the ball 41 times. And only had 18 completions for 265 yards, and that dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> You're not going to win any games playing like that. And he was soundly defeated. And I think that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and all this came down, I think that Peter was wearing his Superman shirt, and he was running around, and he was feeling so good. He was feeling like he had this. He was going to be successful, and he was going to do this, and he fell flat on his face. You see, it's not, the Christian life is not determination. The Christian life is submission to the Spirit the Holy Spirit helping you to do what you cannot do. 
See, you can't really overcome some of those habits you have. You try, you say you're not going to do it anymore, and you do it again. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? Romans chapter 7 says, The thing that I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I, I don't want to do, I keep doing. He said, you know, I, I just I want to be. I want to be better, Paul said. But the thing I don't want to do, the thing I say I'm never going to do again, I do that thing again. And the thing I wish I would do, I never do. But then it says in Romans chapter 8, we go from Romans chapter 7 to Romans chapter 8, and we talk about the Spirit. The law of the Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps you to live the Christian life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will keep you from falling. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will keep me pure, that will keep me from falling. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my Superman shirt. It's not my boasting. It's not that I can do this. It's when I depend on the Holy Spirit to help me. Just say this with me. The Spirit of the Lord can help me pull off what I can never pull off on my own. Remember when David went to fight Goliath? And maybe you got a Goliath in your life. You got a habit. You got something going on. And for me, it's impatience. I'm, I'm a little impatient. And I'm not sure if you're that person, but I'm a type A, you know, kind of wired, intense, and I'm impatient. And, and sometimes I can be edgy and, and be a little terse with people when I'm with a little impatient. And I, I don't like that about myself. I remember we went, Karen and I went to the movies the other night, and we went to, uh, we were at the, the uh, Regal Theater in Salisbury. And uh, so we're walking in, and as we're walking in, I said, uh, you know, honey, is there anything you want before we go in? You want any popcorn? You want any, anything to drink? Because you know, I want to get in the previews. I want to settle down when I get in the movie. I want to enjoy myself. So I, she said, no, I don't want any popcorn. I don't want any, you know, I'm fine. I'm good. So we sit there, and they must have had 20 minutes of previews. And I love previews, but it was a little long, 20 minutes of previews. So finally the last preview was done, and the lights started coming down, and Karen turned to me and said, you know, I would like some popcorn. <laughs> I said, Lord, this is a good time for you to come right now. I'm telling you. I was trying to be like Jesus, and, and, and there was the, but my flesh just, my flesh slipped out. And maybe you got something like that, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us. When David went against Goliath, Saul said, you can't fight him. He's been a warrior since he was in his youth. And you know what? Saul was absolutely right. David could not fight Goliath. But David said, I was out taking care of the sheep, and a bear came, and the Lord helped me to kill the bear, and then a, a lion came, and I killed the lion. And he said, the same God that helped me, the same God that helped me kill the lion and the bear will help me kill Goliath. It wasn't, it wasn't hey, I can do it. I got it. You know, in our philosophy, in our community, in our philosophy, in, in our society is, you got this. You got this. That's what we say. You got this. And that's, that's a nice thing to say. But when the Christian thinks about his life, it's not you got this. And that's what Peter said. I got this. I got this. It's we got this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Peter failed because he was solo in this thing. He was doing it by himself. He was trying to do his own thing. And, uh, you know, he, he just was completely full of ego. 
And then the other thing about Peter here is Peter lacks self-awareness. Peter, Peter lacks self-awareness. Here's what I believe. I believe the higher we have self-awareness, the more mature we are. The lower our self-awareness, the more immature we are. And I have, I've been in the ministry for over 40 years now, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that really aren't very good at self-awareness. They don't know what their weaknesses are. They don't know their vulnerabilities. And I'm just here to tell you that I believe for my life and for your life, we don't begin to really grow until we plug into real self, self-awareness. You know, if somebody uh, tells you that, uh, that you're overbearing, and then another person tells you that you're overbearing. And then another person tells you you're overbearing. You're overbearing. <laughs> if a person tells you that you are controlling and you interrupt them while they're trying to tell you that you are controlling, you are controlling. <laughs> somebody says one, said once that if, if somebody calls you a donkey and norm, if two people call you a donkey, look for hoof prints. If three t- people call you a donkey, buy a saddle. <laughs> See, self-awareness is a good thing. It's a good thing. Peter didn't have any self-awareness. And as I'm going through my life and as I'm getting older and living my life, one of the things that I think is becoming a gift to me is that I'm not only aware of some things that I, the Lord's helped me to be good at, but the Lord is really showing me my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses. And it's those weaknesses, it's those vulnerabilities, it's that self-awareness where I'm not good that the Lord can really help me. And so one of the things you want to do is that Peter, Peter had blinders on. He, he had no idea what kind of man he really was until that night when he was able to see firsthand what kind of man he was. Now, when we get to the, the actual betrayal, let me give you, a, let me read a little bit of that for you before we put our uh, landing gear down and end today. Uh, in, in Mark, when we have the actual betrayal, we see this really interesting uh, scenario here. Mark chapter 14, verse 66 through 72. Here's the actual betrayal. When Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, He's warming himself by fire. She looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl, verse 69, when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word of Jesus that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times, and broke down and wept. Let me just say something good about that story. First of all, let's give Peter a little bit of credit that he followed Jesus to the courtyard. Nobody else did. He was the only one. And so we do see Peter trying to do what he's supposed to do. And he's trying to pull this off. 
And he goes to the courtyard, and, and the Bible says in the book of John that John the apostle had a connection with the high priest, and Peter got in the courtyard, and they've started a fire. It's a chilly night, and he's warming himself by the fire. And all these people are, are looking around at him. And this one girl, it says this one girl, looked intently at Peter. She stared at him. He looked familiar. And she said to him in front of them, oh, you're, you're one of those guys with Jesus. And he denied it emphatically, just like Jesus said he would. And here's what's interesting about that, is that I don't think Peter was expecting that to happen. I think he was thinking that, you know, if I go and the, the soldiers are going to arrest me, they're going to throw me in a holding cell, and they're going to interrogate me and waterboard me, whatever. They're gonna, he was expecting that, but he wasn't expecting it to happen the way it did happen. He wasn't expecting to be around a fire and a bunch of people looking at him. And all of a sudden, there's this uh, sort of, uh, you know, this woman that's looking at Peter suspiciously. And he can feel her eyes burning on him. And in front of everybody, she said, you're one of them. And then he walked out and another girl did it. And the third time, he called down curses on himself. Now, here's the thing about falling in temptation. This is very interesting. We tend to fall when we're surprised by something that we didn't expect. Our major sins in life usually happen when we're not expecting them to happen. Usually we stumble when we think we're okay, everything's all right, and then all of a sudden something we don't expect to happen happens to us. And here's a great quote by C.S. Lewis, and I don't like to usually read things, but this is so good that I need to read it. And uh, this is a, out of, I think, Mere Christianity. And this is what C.S. Lewis says about temptation. And see if you can relate to this, because this is like what happens to me, what happens to, I think, all of us. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. He said, we begin to notice beside our particular sinful act, our sinfulness begin to be alarmed not only about, by, about what we do, but about what we are. This may sound rather difficult, so I will try to make it clear in my own case. He says, when I come to my evening prayers and try to reckon up the sins of the day, nine times out of ten, the most obvious one is some sin against charity. I have sulked or snapped or sneered or snubbed or stormed. And the excuse that immediately springs to my mind is that the provocation was so sudden and unexpected, I was caught off my guard. I had not time to collect myself. Now, that may be an extenuating circumstance as regard to those particular acts. They would obviously be worse if they had, not, if they had been delivered or pre premeditated. On the other hand, surely what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. If there are rats in the cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provoca uh, provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. The rats are always there in the cellar. But if you go in shouting and noisily, they will take in cover before you switch the light on. See, that really helps me. Because when I look at my life, you know, I'm already I'm reading my devotions, I'm walking with Jesus, I'm praying, I'm listening to Christian music in my pickup, my to to Tacoma, Toyota Tacoma pickup, the kind of truck that Jesus would drive if he was on the earth today. 
and I'm all ready. But it's the, it's the unexpected things. Peter walked into that courtyard, and you watch this about your life. He walked into that courtyard, and he was not expecting it to happen the way it did. The devil never plays fair. He never, ever plays fair. He catches us when we are not ready. I remember hearing about this guy in seminary. He was a senior. He was finishing his uh, seminary uh, studies, and this was coming to the end, and um, and he had to take an elective. And so, you know, he had Hebrew and Greek and he had systematic theology and all this stuff, hermeneutics, all this stuff he had to study. And he thought, well, you know, uh, he had to take this elective and he, and he signed up for an ornithology class. Now, ornithology is the study of birds. Most of you knew that. But it was, uh, so he took this class and he thought, it's going to be a breeze. I've got to concentrate on my Hebrew, my Greek, and systematic theology and all that. Well, anyhow, when he started taking this ornithology class, it was the hardest class of all classes. It was like, you know, memorize the Latin names of these birds and all this stuff and of their habitat and what they ate. And so he comes to his first test and he was like, he was sweating beads of sweat off his forehead. And so he thought, my goodness, what am I going to do? This, is, this class is unbelievable. It's insane. Well, he got to the test, and there was just pictures of bird legs on the test. <laughs> and you had to identify the bird legs, and that was all that was on the test. He'd studied everything about the Latin names, the habitat, and the diet. He was so frustrated, he just threw his pencil down. He said, I quit. He started to walk out of the class. The professor says, where are you going? He said, I quit. He said, what's your name, son? He pulled up his pant legs. I don't know. You tell me, you know. <laughs> Say this with me. It's the unexpected that gets us. The unexpected is what gets us. Peter walked in, didn't expect that to happen. He had no idea that was going to take place. And so every day, that's why when you pray every day, when you, I pray the Lord's Prayer every night when I get done my day. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So when I pray that every day, you know, the, the word uh, deliver us from evil is really deliver us from the evil one. Because every day, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, that the enemy, there is an enemy of our soul that has a strategy to trip us up. And I don't believe that our struggles are just psychological. I don't believe our struggles are just, you know, mental. I believe we still have a spiritual dimension that we wrestle with. So when I pray every day, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. Protect me from those surprise attacks that I'm not expecting to happen. So important for us in our walk. Well, the story, you know, goes on, and I'm, we don't have time to go through everything, but what's really cool about Luke's version of this is when Peter denied the Lord the last time, when he denied the Lord the last time the, and, the, and the, the cock crowed, Luke says that at that moment that Jesus was being carried through the courtyard, this probably took on about two hours, this whole scene that we're reading about took about two hours of the trial of Jesus. And they're walking Jesus through the courtyard as Peter gives his last denial. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter. 
And Jesus saw, and Peter saw Jesus look at him, and Jesus looked at him. And I want to, I want to ask you this question. What kind, of, what kind of look do you think Jesus gave Peter? Was it a look like, I can't believe you did that? <laughs> Have you ever got the evil eye from your spouse? Has the evil eye ever given you the spouse? <laughs> you don't know what you've done wrong, but you've done something wrong. <laughs> you got the evil eye. I don't think Jesus gave him the evil eye. I believe those eyes were eyes of love. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him before he ever did it. And he said, in all the Gospels, he said, meet me in Galilee. Meet me in Galilee. So after Jesus was raised from the dead, the disciples all went to Galilee. And one night, they're out there fishing. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. They went out there fishing. And they fished all night and didn't catch anything. And as the sun's coming up over the Sea of Galilee... Uh, they saw a man, a silhouette on the shore. And this man said to them, Friends, have you caught anything? They said, No, we haven't caught a thing. He said, Well, throw the net on the other side. Now, they'd heard that before. And they threw the net on the other side, and they had such a catch that they couldn't pull the, pull the net in. And John, the perceptive one, John said, Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter you know, put on his outer garments, he jumped into the Sea of Galilee, he started swimming for the shore. Now that's significant. Because the first time that Peter really met Jesus and when he decided he was going to follow Jesus was in Luke chapter 5 when Peter's washing his nets and Jesus barred his boat and Jesus is sitting in the boat and he's teaching from the boat and, and, and uh, they hadn't caught anything all night and they were, he's just cleaning the seaweed and all the stuff out of the, out of the net. And after Jesus got done teaching, he said, Peter, let's, let's go fishing. And Peter said, Lord, we fished all night long. We didn't catch anything, but at your word, I'll do it. And so he went there, and he threw the net, and he caught a big catch of fish. And it was just like that moment. It was deja vu. When Jesus had called him, it was a miraculous catch of fish. And here it is in the Sea of Galilee, after Jesus was raised from it, after Peter has blown it, he caught another big load of fish. And it's a, it's a, it's a memory and then when Peter gets to the shore, Jesus has already made a fire. And it, it says in the book of John, John chapter 18, that it's a coal fire. And just the way Peter was sitting around the fire at the uh, high priest's courtyard warming himself, it's the same word in John chapter 18 for, for coal fire that's used in Peter's betrayal. And now he's sitting around a fire with Jesus. And Jesus is looking across the fire at him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know I love you. He said, well, feed my sheep. And then Jesus looked at him again. Peter, do you really, really love me? Looking across that fire, Peter said, yes, yes, Lord. You, you know I love you. The third time, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you, do you really love me? He said, yes, Lord, feed my lambs. Three times Peter denied the Lord around a fire. Three times around a fire, Jesus recommissions Peter. And on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit's coming 50 days after Peter's mess up. 50 days after Peter's mess up. Who's going to preach the Pentecostal sermon? Maybe it should be John. John was the one at the cross. He was the one taking care of the mother. John was the good guy. John, we don't, you know, they all messed up somehow, but John was sort of the, the golden boy that night. It ought to be John. But the Bible says that 
Peter, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, Peter stood up. Peter stood up and he preached the gospel. And after you've been knocked down, after you fail, after you've messed up for the 40th time, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to become the person God wants you to be. Winston Churchill says success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. <laughs> and the gospel, everything around the cross is in the context of Peter's failure because the cross is the solution for our failure. And now every one of us today have needed grace in our hearts. If you've needed some grace in your heart, would just raise your hand right now and say, Lord, I'm grateful. It's not about being perfect. It's about being connected to the righteous one. And the gospel, when Peter was in the courtyard denying the Lord, Jesus was up in the uh, second floor of the high priest's house making provision for Peter's failure. So, Father God, as we lift our hands up at the Millsburg campus, at the at the uh, Hoboth campus right in front of me and the, uh, the Femic Island campus and even people online at home around their kitchen table, people in, uh, in their living rooms watching this on TV, we're all lifting our hands, thanking you for your amazing grace. It's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Father, forgive us of our misunderstanding of living for you, trying to live out our Christian life in the flesh. And like Peter, I can do it. I can do it. Lord, we can't do it. We can't do it. We'll never do it without your help. So we invite your Holy Spirit to re-empower us as your people as we live this week for you. It's through the power of the Spirit, not the power of the flesh, that we serve you. So we thank you for that. I want you to take the communion elements that you have in front of you. All over the world, billions and billions of people We'll be taking communion during this season. I want you to take the, the bread first and lift up the bread. Everybody at the Millsburg campus right now, just take it out of your packet and everybody at the Fenwick Island campus, take, take the bread out. And it says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. I want you to break that little piece right now. Just break it. His flesh was broken for you. By his stripes were healed. He was wounded. Wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah says. Bruised for our iniquities. He was punched and slapped and cut and pierced. Psalm 22 says he was pierced for our transgressions. Nails went through his hands and through his feet. So lift this bread up and just say this with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the cross you became my substitute. The wages of sin is death and you died on the cross to pay the wage of my sins. And we take this together, all of us together, we need the grace of God. Let's receive it together. campuses now. Let's take the, the juice which represents the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, Lord God, we confess our sins. The word confess means to agree with. Lord, we don't argue with you about our sins, what we think is okay in our society, what we tell ourselves is okay, our self-justification. Lord, we, we, we refuse to argue with you today. As Peter argued with you, we're not going to argue with you. What you call sin in the New Testament is sin. We confess it as a sin. We're powerless to change on our own. But as we confess our sins to you, you're faithful, you're reliable, you're consistent. You forgive us, and we stand in the grace of God, it says in Romans chapter 5. We stand in the grace of God. We've been made righteous through our faith in the work of Christ, and now we put our faith in the cross. We thank you. Our faith is in the cross for our justification. Let's receive this together as we confess our sins to the Lord. Let's receive it together. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now as we come into the Easter season? Let's let the Holy Spirit empower us, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. We thank you, God. As we lift our hands at the Fenwick Island campus, the Millsbrook campus, this campus right now, we're all lifting our hands over this community, celebrating the goodness of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, um, this campus, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, please invite somebody. Take these cards and uh, everybody at the Millsburg campus, Fenwick Island campus, uh, let's invite a bunch of people next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.